You are listening to Chasing PR's podcast, Interview Edition. Today, we have the honor of interviewing Ottawa's mayor and super accomplished runner, Mark Sutcliffe. If you want to learn about his incredible journey to qualify for Boston and how he uses running to cope with stress and be a better person, you don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Hi. We are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre, and with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And you need to listen to this interview, right? We just finished the interview with Mark. It was very engaging, very insightful, you say? I feel like whether you're a beginner runner or you've done Boston 10 times, you're going to learn from this episode and enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. There are very interesting anecdotes about some marathons, how he qualified to Boston, and also how running and running a marathon specifically can help you become like a better dad, a better mom, a better person. So I think you're going to love it. Let's go into the interview. Well, thanks, Mark, for being here and being the inaugural guest of the interview section of the podcast. Wow. I didn't realize I was the inaugural guest. Uh, yeah. Thank you. It's an it's, honor. It's, right, it's our honor for sure. <laughs> and it's nice to see you again, Diego, and nice to meet you, Rochelle. Yes, thanks for giving us your time. I know you're very busy. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to our conversation. Perfect. And well, you may know uh, Mark as the new mayor of Ottawa or heard his radio show for more than 20 years. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that you are a very passionate runner with great accomplishments. At what, that's what we are talking about today. Okay. Yes, I would say I'm a very passionate runner. I'm not sure about the great accomplishments, but... <laughs> Right, but well, I'm definitely a passionate runner, yes. You are being modest, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things we, we like to do in the podcast, uh, it's talking a little about our training. So I think our first question to you is, are you still running today? Are you training for anything? So I'm running every day. Um, I ran almost every day in 2022. Um, I ran every day during the election campaign, and I've run... Every day since I became mayor, um, okay. and I think I, I think I only missed two days in 2022 where I did not run, uh, and those were days where I was traveling. So uh, I didn't. It, it was like a, a all day travel, leaving early in the morning, arriving late at night. So I wasn't I wasn't able to run. But otherwise, I've run every single day for more than a year now, and um, and I'm I'm training for Ottawa Race Weekend in May. Cool. But I haven't decided whether I'll do the half marathon or the marathon. So that's that's what I'm but thinking. You're running about something. Now. Yes, I'll be running something at Ottawa Race Weekend for sure. You're yeah. running what in Ottawa Race Weekend? I haven't decided yet because we're I'm doing Cornwall Marathon or St. Lawrence Marathon at the end of April to try to qualify for Boston. So I'm basically going to see how beat up I am and see what I can do a month later. Yeah, but I'll be there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, everything, all Ottawa is going to be there, all running Ottawa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm doing a 5K with my 10-year-old, 6-year-old. Okay. That's cool. great. I'm I'm excited because last year was the first year back after the pandemic, of course, for Ottawa Race Weekend. And uh, I think this year will be, it'll be even more people and it'll be the feeling of being together again. And yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm, I did do quite a few virtual races during the pandemic. But uh, but it's not the same experience, obviously. Oh, and okay, it's really cool that just that you are still running. And one of the goals of the podcast is to to reach or to teach uh, runners that have everyday lives, like you, like have a, bi a busy schedule, a busy life. So now, how how can you, how are you managing having a busy schedule and running at the same time, and having a family and everything? Yeah, I guess what I always say is that uh, if I didn't run, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do. Uh, and I know that that's a little bit counterintuitive for people who don't run. They might say, well, you're so busy, 
and you have so many things to do, how can you fit running into your schedule? And and my response is, if I didn't fit running into my schedule, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do because I find I get energy from running and uh, and it, it's my time to think. Uh, it's my time to myself. And so there's so many benefits from running every day that I wouldn't be able to accomplish all the other things if I didn't run. But you okay. do have to carve out the time and you do have to make it a priority. And for me, the best way to do that is to run first thing in the morning. So I get up in the morning and and almost right away I go running. And and um, I, if I have to get up early to do that, I do. Um, and I and I do it first thing because it's so much easier to 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 put it off and and to not do it if you yeah. wait until you get busy in your day and you think you're going to finish work at. 5.30 and it ends up going till 6.30 and then you're tired and, you know, all of that. So I find I have the most energy in the morning and, and it's, the, it, it's the way that I can make sure it actually gets done. And I remember reading in your book that treadmill running is like a necessary evil. So I, <laughs> yeah. I somehow. <laughs> With these frigid temperatures, do you still run outside or do you run a lot of the treadmill during winter? So uh, it's a combination of the two. So I um, I still run outside all the way through the winter, but I do um, I do many of my runs on the treadmill. Although so far this winter in Ottawa, it hasn't been that cold. There have been yeah. some cold days, but not as many as normal. So I think I've run on the treadmill maybe seven or eight times so far this winter. Um, and otherwise, I've been running outside, and um, and on some of the colder days, I've met up with a friend and and run outside, which is always better than running on the treadmill. I don't like the cold weather. I'll I'll be honest. Um, so that's why I got a treadmill about four or five <laughs> years ago. And uh, but I also find running on the treadmill is is a real grind. You know, it's it's it I for don't, sure is yeah. Yeah, it's very hard. And if you're doing a longer run, you know, it's almost impossible to 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 you know mentally to to stay in one place for that for that period of time and just keep running on the treadmill so um when i used to work from home before i before i uh changed jobs um if i was running on the treadmill during the winter i would sometimes run you know 4 or 5k on the treadmill first thing in the morning and then i'd at lunchtime run another 4 or 5k or something like that or i'd break it up into three you know just so that the monotony was not too much. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I would do, you know, I would do everything I could to make it work. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of running when it's minus 30 and I'm, I'm also not a big fan of running on the treadmill, but, but sometimes yeah, when it's, it's minus 30, sure. it's better. Yeah. You have to pick what you, uh, what you can cope yeah, with. Exactly. You, um, in your book, Mark, you, I remember there. I believe it might have been the the time you actually qualified for Boston when you ran your your three twenty three time, but you had a long run two weeks out, and it was supposed to be miserably blizzardy, snowy on Saturday and freezing cold on the Sunday, and yeah. you had to pick: do you go out in minus twenty with wind, or do you go out in the conditions? And I remember you saying in the book you you weren't doing that one on the treadmill; it was too long. I think you had thirty five k or maybe even more to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that it's interesting to hear that you're still you're still that way. You want to avoid avoid the bad footing, avoid the cold, avoid the treadmill. But sometimes you have to pick one of them. Yeah, and in that case, as you say, I had a choice between running for three hours on a treadmill, which nobody wants to do, no. or running in really bad footing because there was all this snow coming down on the Saturday, or running in really cold temperatures on the Sunday, which is what I ended up doing. So I ran outside on the Sunday. And I, and I did the 35K and it was, I don't know, minus 28, minus 30, was windy. And I, I tried to run in a place where I could do loops so that I wasn't always running straight into the wind for a long period of time. And the footing was better than on the Saturday because I found a place where they plowed the roads. And so it was not ideal, but it was the best choice out of those three options. <laughs> it sounds like this weekend. Yeah. The footing today. <laughs> a little bit. Very well. And tomorrow's going to be freezing and cold. And tomorrow will be cold. It prepares you for the mental anguish of race day, though. Yeah. Well, and and look, uh, running a marathon is tough, and and um, and running in cold weather is tough, and and so uh, even though I didn't enjoy it, uh, there was a part of me that really relished the test. You know that that 
you got to go out there and you've got to run 35k, which is hard, and you've got to do it in difficult conditions. And I think, I think that strengthens you as a as a person. It strengthens you. It you know it makes you tougher. It makes you stronger. Um, and so I'm proud of myself for for those runs because if you go back, you know, before I became a runner, I wasn't somebody who did tough things, and I didn't think of myself as being somebody who could tackle something difficult. I didn't think of myself as physically strong. So you go out and you test yourself and you pass the test and it, and it's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I always say, tell people that winter running makes, makes you a better runner just for the mental part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think tying a little to that, uh, one of our questions was like, if you, do you believe like running a marathon and training for a marathon makes you a better person, a better businessman, like gives you tools to, to be a better fa father and stuff like that? I think it does. And I know everybody's different, but I, you know, I always share my own personal experience that when I first completed a marathon in the first time I ran a marathon was 2024, sorry, 2004, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, so in 2004, I finished my first marathon and, and it really changed the way I thought about myself and the way I thought about difficult things. And, um, and And what I learned from it is that, you know, there are lots of really hard things you can do in life and, uh, or you, or you can strive to do. And that, um, you know, you're not born knowing how to, you're not, you're not born with the physical capacity to run a marathon. You're not born with the, with the ability to speak four languages, or, uh, you're not born with the ability to, uh, to take on all the different things you might tackle it in your work life, in your professional life. Um, but you can learn those things and you, and, and the, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And that's, I think one of the powerful things about, about running and about training for a marathon is the incremental nature of it. And yep. there are so many things in life where the expectation today, especially is that there's a shortcut, that there's some, you know, there's a hack, there's a quick fix and, and you can't, you can't cram for a marathon. You can't, you can't go from not running to running a marathon in three weeks for you, sure you have to put in the time and you, before you can run 35k you've got to run 30k and before you run 30k you've got to run 25 and and so on so you start being able to run maybe 2k without stopping and if you keep at it and and you put in the time and you incrementally add to to how far you're running eventually you can run 42.2k and it's a really powerful life lesson so um That lesson for me has been life-changing, and it's, you know, when I think about difficult tasks that I have to face in life, I always think about, okay, I may not know how to do this now, but if I put in the time and work, I can get to a point where I can, where I can face this challenge and, and get it done. And so uh, I think it is a really powerful lesson, and that, that's on top of the physical and mental yeah, benefits, sure. the mental health benefits you get from the actual training. Just that metaphor and that lesson, you know, that life lesson of, of doing something hard uh, and chipping away at it over time and being able to turn yourself into something you're not. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a very powerful lesson because it's not hypothetical. You just achieved it, right? It's not like, it's not like motivation. You can do it. You're awesome. It's like, I just did it and I have proof that I can do mm -hmm. hard and awesome things. And now yeah. I can do it in, in other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and if you want to be a good parent, you know, if you want to be good at your job, you can, you know, again, it's not, there's not five magic tricks to do that. It's putting in the work every day and trying to get a little bit better every day until one day you look back and you realize I'm really good at this. And two years ago, I wasn't able to do any of this at all, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, I, I love that quote of that. Uh, I think it was Bill Gates and maybe somebody else said it, but most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Totally. And, and it's, it's so true because there's so much you can do if you put in, if you play the long game and, and everybody's sort of, we're, I think we're conditioned to uh, just out of human nature and even just all the literature that's out there now about get rich quick and learn this new subject overnight and yeah. all of that. We're conditioned to sort of think we can get a lot of stuff done in a short period of time. When in fact, the real journey, the real value is putting in the work, and it doesn't have to be 10 years, but it could be two years. 
It's that incremental growth. And then you turn around and you realize I've come a really long way and I can do things now that I never used to be able to do because I worked a little bit at it every single day. Yep. I, there, there's a, there's a, a song I love that says, nothing we're doing never done cost pain. Something like mm-hmm. that. So, and running around. Yeah. Is really cool. mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Mark, you mentioned that you feel running has made you basically a better a better parent. Like you're, especially when your kids were were younger, I'm sure. And in your book, in the Long Road to Boston, you mentioned in 2003 when you did your first half, uh, your sister had passed away, and then in 2004, while you were training for your first marathon, your dad was ill with cancer and and was not doing well. And and coping with that, do you find, so you obviously have some coping message, mechanisms where you, you run and you deal with your stress. Are you still doing that like throughout your campaign and now you're, you're mayor of the capital of Canada and Ottawa, are you still using running to cope with the stressors of life? Absolutely. I, uh, for me, uh, and again, I know everybody's different, but for me, it's a great way to cope with stress. I always feel better after I run and, um, and I feel, uh, you go from, from feeling like everything's a big challenge to feeling like things are possible again. And the other thing that I find, whether it's been as, you know, my work as a writer or, or tackling a challenge now as mayor or facing some of the, some of the issues that I faced during the campaign, you know, you, you have time to process all of that while you're running, you know, so you're, totally. I find myself, you know, you, you, there are so few times, it's a little bit like when you're driving on a highway and, and if you don't, if you're not listening to anything on the radio, but you've got a four hour drive and, and your mind just starts working on something and you, you don't even, you, maybe you didn't even set out to, to spend that time thinking about something, but, but something just kind of arises in your head and you start turning it over and thinking it through and you've got the time to do that because you're out for a run. And I, I've, you know, I've, I've walked through conversations that I want to have with somebody, difficult conversations, and, and imagined my way through those conversations and processed them. And, and, and I've, I've, when, I've, when I was doing more writing, I, would, I was sometimes would, would think my way through what I wanted to write and, and even be almost composing things in my head. And then, of course, as soon as the run's over, you got to go straight to the computer and like start typing right away before you forget everything, you know? <laughs> I would often pull out my phone and and quickly like put a few notes in, into my phone, you know, just to, so I didn't forget. Um, and I have all these tricks for trying to remember if I think of three or four things while I'm running, I will make a little list in my head and and try to remember them all for when I get home. But um, I find it really helpful to sort of have that time to process things, and it's it's been really uh, beneficial to me. Yeah, it's it's somehow like running forces you to be with yourself and to think instead of being in the grind and the yeah over mm-hmm. the everyday life right it forces you to yeah. think <laughs> do you prefer yeah, to do your long runs do you run alone now for your long runs or do you still run with your friend that used to train with so a, a combination i do some longer runs by myself and i mm-hmm. and i sometimes run with with uh, my friend bob who i've tr- been running with for 20 years now um, or with other friends. I have a couple of other friends that I run with as well. Um, so it depends on the, it depends on the day and who's available and what my schedule is. But, um, my, my first choice for a long run is always to run with somebody else. Cause it, it, I just find the time passes and it's something to look forward to. And, and you're just less likely to, to procrastinate or, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, so, so you're, you're locked in and you're going to get it done. Um, but I also enjoy going out and running, um, and listening to a podcast, um, or just having time to think. Um, so it's a combination of the two. What podcast do you like now that you talk about pod- what podcast do you listen now? So right there's now? a, there's a bunch that I listen to. Um, many of them are the, uh, are some of the most popular podcasts like, um, the, um, the Tim Ferriss show and, um, um, Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. Oh, my wife loves that one. Oh, I haven't listened yeah. to that. And um, uh, Conan O'Brien has a podcast, which I like. I'll also listen to some some business podcasts and and um, and management um, podcasts, so some, some lesser-known podcasts. There's another podcast that's called 
the Knowledge Project. Uh, okay. That's uh, by uh, hosted by a great guy named Shane Parrish, who I've gotten to know uh, over the last couple of years. Um, uh, so lot there's there's so many options. You, you're never going to run out of podcasts to listen to. Yeah, maybe you can add yeah. chasing PRs now to your. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm getting some ideas for my. Uh, I have to do 26 kilometers tomorrow, so I'm making a note. Okay. Of, I'll have to listen to some of these because it's going to be a long one. Yeah, I'm cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to start talking about Boston? Yes, I was, I we're really, very, very excited about talking very about very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Diego. I mean, I'm not surprised because you're really fast, but uh, no thanks. But yeah, good for you. I'm excited to hear about your Boston experience once you go. Yeah, thank you. And I think one of the first questions is, what the number one tip you can give a new Boston runner, aka me right now, yeah, uh, to run Boston? What What could you tell me about my first Boston? Yeah, so I would say that uh, there's a few things. Number one, you know, try to enjoy as much of that uh, the weekend. Of course, the, the marathon itself is on a Monday, but the weekend before it, there's so much going on and you can just be around other runners and you can go to the expo and there's just such a great atmosphere in Boston while that's going on. And you can, um, I remember going the first time I did Boston, I've done it twice the first time I went to the finish line uh, on the Saturday before the race and it's already set up and, you know, you just see, uh, it's just really cool to see that. Yeah. Um, and so just absorb as much of the experience as you can. Okay, thanks. Um, and, um, and I would also say, you know, it, de it depends on what your goals are, but my advice to people is always that... Um, you can you can go there to run fast or you can go there to have a great experience and it's probably hard to do both and when i went my goal was to have a great experience so i didn't worry about what my time was you know it's pretty crowded at the start um so there's you know it's hard to control your pace at the start because there's a lot of people yeah. and um and there's so many people along the route and so i you know, I was high-fiving people, and, uh, <laughs> and of course, the two times I did it, the weather was absolutely terrible. Um, so I did it in 2015 and 2018, both of which were pretty legendary for the for the weather. Yeah, I remember um, it in 2018. Wow. Yeah. Was so, that the um, London one? Yes. Yeah. And Krista Duchesne was third, yeah. Yes, okay. And a Japanese guy won first place yeah. because the weather was terrible, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, most people weren't ready for it, um, for the weather. So, um, yeah, so I, my goal is always for an event like that is to go and have a great experience and to, and to, to connect with the people along the route and talk to other runners and, and just absorb the whole, you know, it's really a picturesque route and you go through these little towns and it's a lot of fun. So, and then I, the thing that I would say most of all, I mean, I get chills just talking about it now The <laughs> You know, that final stretch when you turn on to Boylston and you're, you know, you've got a four or 500 meters to the finish line. It's just so loud and so energizing. And, you know, that's the, that was the destination that I'd been looking forward to for years of, right. of being able to run down that stretch. And, um, and uh, so many times in a marathon, you can't wait for it to be over. But that last 500 meters, I I didn't care how long it took because it was just so much fun to be on that final stretch of the Boston Marathon at last. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to enjoy it. I may, feel like may, you don't have it yeah, in you to may, just Maybe I, I will enjoy the last 500 meters, but the, the first 42 or 41.7 <laughs> is going to be a grind. Yeah. I, I think you can tell your perspective on the marathons in your book because the other ones you're very... You talk about this mile and the pace and the speed and everything's about your effort and how you're feeling and the pace bunny did this. But then when you talk about Boston, there's none of that. It's like, I saw this and this building and these people and the crowd. So you can tell you were just in the moment as opposed to like, did you even look at your watch? Did you care about the time at all? No, I didn't care about the time at all. Yeah. And I'm I mean, it was, it was partly because I wanted the experience and partly because the weather was so bad that... You kind of had to throw out any, I mean, I, in 2018, I had some throwaway clothes that I had on, including a rain poncho, uh, at the beginning of the race. Cause you have to go to Hopkinton, yeah. uh, and, and you wait around for a couple hours before the race, but I never, it was so cold and so rainy that I never discarded those. I ran, so I ran with this rain poncho for the whole, 
for the whole race, this plastic crew rain poncho. So yeah, it was never going to be a fast race. Um, and so it was all about just getting it done and, and, and soaking it up both literally <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. I bet those are awesome pictures about running Boston with a poncho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the so I'll have to ask you my question now because Diego is in. He's doing his yeah. first one. I certainly, I, you did 20 marathons, but it doesn't sound like all 20 you were trying for Boston. It was more in the last four or five, would you say, that you started making a, a strong effort to qualify? Yeah, that's right. I think it was, I think I made, yeah, four or five serious attempts to to get a qualifying time. And um and, you know, the first few, there was always something that got in the way. And I'm, you know, for me, for whatever reason, um, everybody's, you know, I, I don't believe that, um, that I believe almost everyone can run a marathon, but I think there is a huge genetic component to how fast you run. Um, so, you know, I, I could train for, you know, 80 hours a week and I would still not get under three hours. And and other people can train, you know, can barely train at all and they can run a three hour marathon, you know? Yeah. So for whatever reason, I was always just on the, just on the edge, you know, that if I trained really, really hard and did all the right kind of speed work and, and long runs and hill workouts and all of that. And if I kept my weight at the right level and everything went right on race day, I could probably just get under the qualifying time for Boston. <laughs> So everything had to go right. And the first three or four times that I, that I attempted to qualify, one or two things went wrong. And then I'd missed by a couple minutes. And, and that's what ended up happening. And then finally. And 22 seconds once. That... That's right. Yeah, I missed by 22 seconds in, in Jacksonville, Florida. There were thunderstorms that day. And it was really humid. Um, and, um, and this was, you know, I, I sort of think of that as, as the height of the obsession for me, because, you know, it was the Jacksonville marathon at that time was the weekend after Christmas. And, and so I had run, I had, I had made another attempt in September. And so then I tr started and I, and I, you know, I missed by a few minutes and then I ramped up again and I registered for this marathon in Jacksonville cause it was supposed to be a flat course. And I, you know, I had young kids at the time, and so I couldn't afford to be away for very long. And so I literally flew to Jacksonville on a Saturday morning, went straight to the race expo, got my bib, went back to the hotel room, you know, had something to eat, rested, got up the next morning, went to the race, ran the marathon, went back to the hotel, changed, got my stuff, and went to the airport and flew home. Like, I was in Jacksonville for 36 hours, you know, it was a, a real turnaround. And, um, and of course it, it, I packed very light and I, I only brought my running shoes. I didn't bring another pair of shoes and I wasn't really thinking about it, but, but because the, uh, because there was a thunderstorm in the middle of the race, uh, my shoes were soaking wet. Right. And those were the shoes that I had to wear home on the airplane. Oh, no. <laughs> so I tried drying them with the hair dryer in the hotel and everything, but they were still a little bit soggy when I, when I went home. Um, so that was kind of the height of the obsession. Cause I was looking for any race that, you know, had a flat course and where the weather would be right. I didn't want it to be too cold or too hot. And I wanted a race where, you know, you can look at these, at these websites where they sort of rank the races based on how many Boston qualifiers they produce. And, and, you know, I was looking for any advantage and to eliminate any disadvantage because I, I needed everything to go right for me to qualify. Yeah, and I think that's a, a very a very important lesson that fast marathons and quali Boston qualifiers are never by chance. You mm -hmm. know? We usually get obsessed with it. We try to find the perfect race, the perfect shoes, the perfect t-shirt, the perfect everything. And yeah. everything, nothing is by chance. I, mm -hmm. I think that's very important for new runners to, to learn for sure. And then you need to have a good day because even when you hear elite athletes interviewed, sometimes they're feeling at the height of their fitness, they're nailing all their workouts. And then for some unknown reason, they just, they just, in their interview, they're like, I don't know what happened. It just wasn't a good day. And now they still probably did a 2.10 marathon. Yeah. Maybe their goal was 2.04 or, or 2.05 and they have no idea what went wrong. So you have, all those things have to happen and then you have to have a good day. 
And that's what I love about the marathon too, because there are so many variables because it's a marathon. It's not 200 meters. It's not 1K or 5K. It's a marathon. So it's a long event, even for the elite runners, it's a couple of hours. So there are lots of variables that go into it. And also you don't run a marathon every day or every weekend. You, you might do a couple per year, maybe three, maybe four for some people. And uh, so you, you never run enough marathons to really know what the perfect recipe is for you because there's so many variables and you do it so few times. Whereas, you know, there are so many other things in life where you can just kind of figure it out. You, you know, you try a whole bunch of different ways and you adjust the variables and you, you know, and then you like, if it's your, if it's the best way for you to get from your house to your office, <laughs> you've got so many opportunities to figure that out. And I'll try this way today and I'll try that way tomorrow and I'll leave it a different time. And you can control lots of variables and figure out the best route. But in a marathon, you know, there's what you ate and there's the weather and how you're feeling that day. And there's so many different variables. Around you're never going to control them. Yeah. And, and so it's, there's always a little bit of luck and guesswork involved. And that's kind of a metaphor for life too, because many of the things you do in life, you can't control every aspect of it. You just have to put yourself in the best position to succeed and give it your best shot and let everything else take care of itself. Yeah, and try to control the things you can mm -hmm. and the, the, the things you want. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think with the marathon, it's hard because if you, if you do everything right and you just have a bad day, it's like you said, you only do two or three a year. So it's not like you can turn around and say, well, there's one next week and I'll just do that. Like a five yeah, day exactly. You might need a month yeah. to recover depending on how it went. Like if you, if you don't do well in a 5K, you can be like, oh, there's another in two weeks. I'll try again. But yeah. a marathon, it's like, all right, I guess I'll try again in six months and do another 16 week build. And you have to have so much patience. And yeah. for you, like I, I was going to ask you your... I guess I'll ask you what your best tips are to qualify for Boston. And this could be like some of our listeners might be just getting it in their head that they want to qualify. And others might be like yourself where they've they've tried and and haven't been successful three, four, five or more times. So what would your big tips be for someone who, unlike Diego, like hasn't done it yet? They haven't qualified. So I guess what I would say, and again, knowing that, you know, whatever happened to work for me might not be the magic formula uh, yeah, for sure. and, and, and might not be what works for someone else. But obviously persistence was a big part of my story. And, <laughs> and so I would say, keep trying, you know, because someday you will have, even if you have two or three days where it doesn't go well, someday you will have the day where it all falls into place. And, and it, it, it is a bit of a numbers game. So the more you do it, the better the chances are that you'll have a great day and everything will go well. So keep going. Um, I think for me, um, increasing the volume of how much I was running and increasing the intensity of some of the workouts really was valuable. So, um, you know, I think there, when you're, when you're first, you know, when you do your first marathon, you can do a training, you know, you're probably, your goal is not to get injured. It's just to, it's just, you don't care about your time. You just want to complete a marathon. You don't worry about whether it's four and a half hours or three forty-five, whatever. So, the volume you might do, it might be lower because you're trying to avoid getting injured and you're new to this. So you're ramping up incrementally. Uh, for me, I think the added volume of, of getting, you know, I, I, I could go back and check, but I think I was running more in the range of a hundred kilometers a week rather than 70 or 80. Okay. Um, so there were some longer midweek runs and there are marathon programs where they only get you to 32 kilometers. And then, you know, three weeks before the race, you do 32 K. And then on race day, you do 42. I was doing, you know, 35 or 38 K runs in the lead up, but okay. I had laid the foundation to be able to do that. You know, you don't want to do that for your first marathon. Not for sure. That's you, you, you know, so I had put in all the time and I, I, I had built up incrementally. So, so your body was ready. Yeah. So I was ready to do that level of training. Exactly. So volume is really important, I think. And, and then, you know, the stuff that you know about Diego really well, the, you know, the, the, um, the interval training, you know, doing some, doing some speed workouts, doing some hill workouts, those kinds of things that make you faster and stronger. Yep. Um, I did a lot of that kind of work too. And, and, and it gradually made me faster and, and it, and it paid off because you, you have to set yourself up to be 
comfortable running at a faster pace. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But how how did you keep the, your motivation through so many marathons and attempts? Because it sounds easy, right? That, okay, you just need to grind and you just need to be consistent and try a, a, a few marathons. But sometimes be keeping the motivation, it's, it's really hard. How did you do it? I think a big part of it was the fact that I love running and I love what running does in my life. So no matter what, I never considered it a bad outcome if I if I did a marathon and and didn't qualify for Boston. I'd still completed a marathon, which was a big deal. Um, I had still had that experience. You know, I always say any day you finish a marathon is a good day. No yeah, matter sure. what else, no matter what happens, you know, it's an accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment to finish a marathon. So so you can't ever have a bad marathon. You'll have better marathons, but you can't have a bad marathon. Um, and I enjoy the experience of training and preparing for a marathon and 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 running a, one here in my hometown in Ottawa or going to another city and running. I, I love that whole experience. So I couldn't lose. And that, you know, that's another thing that I think is important is, um, you know, you you and another great metaphor for life, you know, you may have goals in life that that you want to achieve, but you've, you've got to love the journey and not just the destination. And otherwise it's not going to be fun, you know? So, so, you know, you might work really hard at your job and, and, and it means that you get, you know, some medal at the end of the year or some recognition or a bonus or whatever. But if you don't like the day-to-day -day work, you know, that's unsustainable. Totally. So you, you've got to enjoy the process as much as you do the outcome. So I love running and, and, you know, I would be running even if I wasn't training for a marathon. So, so I never felt, you know, I always felt like I was getting something out of it no matter what. Okay. And, and so that's what kept me motivated. Wow. That's mm -hmm. a, that's very powerful and interesting. Thanks. You had, uh, you had a couple of really good quotes in your book that I just loved, but one of them was, you said in any marathon, you have to know why you are doing it because in the last mile, the marathon will ask you. And I just, I loved that because it's so true. If you're there just objectively for a time goal and there's no deeper meaning when it starts to suck and it gets really hard, you might just be like, well, I'm just going to walk. This is, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it's, that is, you know, for people who have not done it, you know, I, I it's a challenge that I always look forward to, but I always dread as well, if you know <laughs> what I mean, because yeah. The last stretch of a marathon is really hard. Like everything is telling you to stop your legs, your body, your stomach, you know, your mind, everything's telling you to stop and you have to keep going and you can keep going. And obviously not to a dangerous level. I'm not encouraging people to run if they're injured or, or anything like that, mm -hmm. but it's amazing how you can push yourself even when you're getting those signals to stop. Um, and then you know, you, you stick it out and you cross the finish line and you're so glad you did, right? You're so glad that you persevered and you didn't start walking and you didn't, you didn't back down from the challenge. And it's so rewarding, uh, to, to stick to it and, and to finish it. And again, it's so empowering because it makes you realize, you know, if you're, if you have some other goal, like, um, you know, you, you've, uh, set a goal re related to what you're going to eat or not eat for the month of January, or if you've got some work goal, again, you know that, hey, I can just keep going. You have the experience for sure. And I, and I don't stop and I can get there, you know? So, yeah. yeah. In, in the race where you qualified, am I remembering right that you did stop very, very briefly right towards the end? Because the pace bunny was doing something weird and was off schedule yeah. and then you made yourself go and then you, you qualified by 20 something seconds, right? So if you yeah. hadn't, you motivated yourself to start running again. And if you hadn't, you wouldn't have gotten that qualification that year. Yeah, it was a really funny series of events because there was a pace bunny. So um, my qualifying time was 325. And uh, that was the qualifying time for, for men my age. And But you, you needed a buffer because they, you know, they, they would often have too many people would qualify and then they'd drop the the slower qualifiers so you needed to have maybe a minute and a half two minutes underneath the the, the, the time. Uh, actual qualifying time so i was trying to run around 323 to 324 and so um there was a pace bunny in the it was the poconos marathon in pennsylvania and 
And so I was running at my pace and I was keeping track of it and I was not following the pace bunny. And the pace bunny, for some reason, would, you know, he, he would pass me sometimes and then I'd pass him. I thought I was running a really steady pace and <laughs> my, my, you know, the data from my Garmin certainly shows that. But for some reason, he, you know, he would pass me and, and then I'd pass him and I'd kind of hear him disappearing into the background. And I, I figured I needed to be ahead of him because I wasn't trying to run 325. I was trying to run 323 or 324. Yep. And so, um, so I got to about, and of course the course is marked in miles because it was in the U.S. And I got to 24 miles and I was ahead of the pace bunny. And then, um, and then I think there was, there was, it was something like there was no 25 mile marker on the course or we didn't see it. <laughs> neither of us saw it. And the pace bunny at that point thought he was going by his watch and seeing the mile markers. And he thought, I haven't seen the 25 mile marker yet. And I'm behind. I've got to speed up. So he started running faster and he passed me. And it might have been the 26 mile marker because it was late in the race. And so he passed me. And when he passed me, and it was at a point where I was already finding it hard to keep my pace going. And I was, you know, you're tired, you're exhausted. And he passed me and I thought, here we go again. I'm going to fall just short. And I pictured myself calling my wife after the race, as I had done three or four times already <laughs> in other races, to say, you know, I finished, it went well, had a good time, but it wasn't quite good enough. And I'm, I didn't qualify and I'm going to have to do this all over again. And, and I thought it's, it's over, you know, I, I, this pace bunny has passed me and I'm not going to qualify. So I actually stopped and I took two or three steps walking. And then I said to myself, you know, the pace bunny, I had seen him at the start. There was a mass start and he was ahead of me at the start. And I thought to myself, if I stay with him and I catch him, I can at least get in under 325. And I probably won't qualify for Boston because I'll need a, a, a faster time than that. But I'll have made the qualifying time and it'll be my fastest marathon ever. And that'll be a little bit of progress and I can still get this done. So I started running again immediately. And I ran as fast as I could. And I just kept the guy in my sights. And I tried to, I tried to, to, you know, close the gap with him. And then we turned a corner. The, the race actually finished on the track of a high school, uh, okay. like in the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the track and field yep. track of a, of a local high school. So you turn into the parking lot of the school. So I turned the corner. So he disappears around the corner. I'm a couple hundred meters behind him. And I turn the corner and then I see him standing at the side of the road and he's not moving. And I thought, how is that possible? Like, That's why has he stopped? Has he already finished? How did he do that? So I run into the, into the, uh, the area where the football field is with the track around it. And I, and I look over to the finish line. I still have to do a loop of the track, but I look over to the finish line and it says something like 322. What? And I think, <laughs> oh my goodness. Because one of the things that happens late in a race, I don't know if it's like this for you, but you kind of stop looking at your watch because you're, you're afraid of what you might see. Oh yeah, for total. yeah for sure. You know, you're looking, you're like, you don't want to look at your watch and see that it says 326 or 327, because that's really demoralizing and it's not going to change anything. So you might as well just keep running. So I look over and it says 322 on the big clock at the finish line. And all I have to do is run the 400 meters around the, the around the uh, track. So I'd start running as hard as I can around the track and I cross the finish line in, in roughly 323 and a half. And I'm, you know, I'm, I can't believe it. Like I, I, you know, five minutes ago, I thought it was all over and here I am now actually having qualified for Boston and I'm thrilled. And then I see the pace bunny come in and I went up to him and I said, what happened? And he explained why he had missed that mile marker and he thought he was behind. And then when he got close to the finish line, he realized he was way ahead. So he just stopped <laughs> and, and then he waited and then he ran in, you know, so. Yeah, the people uh, following him uh, must be like, what is he doing? <laughs> Where is he going? I know. I know. I felt bad for anybody who was following him because that was, would have been really confusing and, and they wouldn't have, you know, they probably wouldn't have been able to keep up with him when he sped up. But, but um, yeah, so it's a good, it's you, you got to run your own race. You can't rely on anyone else. No, um, not even the pace money. It, it no. out. <laughs> that was one of my yeah. favorite parts of your book. I love that story. Uh, Thank Let's you. start to, to go into the last questions because mm -hmm. we're, we're running long. What, other than Boston, because if you say Boston, it's not a count. What's your favorite marathon? 
Well, I love the Ottawa Marathon. It's my hometown race, and I encourage everyone to do it. It's an amazing event. It starts and finishes downtown, and you get to see some beautiful sights in Ottawa. So obviously, you know, and I've done it many times, and and I have a very soft spot in my heart for for Ottawa. Um, outside of Ottawa, I would say probably New York City. Okay. Um, I've done New York three times, and and I love the city of New York, and it's an iconic race. Um, and I've ha- I've always had a great experience in New York, um, and uh, and then I would also say Chicago because Chicago is another race where it starts and finishes downtown, and it's uh, Chicago is a great city. Um, and um, and we're so, in Chicago this year. Yeah, we're both okay. doing it this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's great. And for Canadians, it's on Thanksgiving. It's on our Thanksgiving weekend usually, so it's a nice weekend to be able to travel. And to mm-hmm. go visit Chicago, and it's a great city to visit, and um, and it's a really good course, um, and and Chicago is just so great architecturally. Um, so I love the big city marathons, and I I'd love to yeah. do some more of them. I'd love to do London and and Tokyo. I'm supposed to do Berlin later this year if all works oh. out. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, I'll tell you a funny story about Berlin really quickly, which yep. is I. I got into Berlin through the lottery in 2019. So um, I was just lucky that I got in through the lottery to run the Berlin Marathon in 2019. But at that time, I was still a journalist. And I did some uh, work uh, for the uh, Canadian Parliamentary Television Station, CPAC. And in and Berlin, of course, is the last weekend of, of September, typically. Yeah. And uh, so in 2019... After I got in and registered and planned the trip, there was an election called for the for October 2019. So I had to work and I couldn't go to Berlin. Oh. So I, I wrote to them and I asked if I could defer it to 2020. And they said yes. Of course, in 2020, there was no Ber- there were no marathons in 2020, including Berlin. They were all they were all canceled because of the pandemic. So I, I was eligible to enter the 2021 Berlin Marathon. And then there was another federal election in Canada in 2021. <laughs> so I wrote to them and said, can I defer to 2022? And they said, yes. And I planned another trip to Berlin for 2022. And then in 2022, I decided to run for mayor of Ottawa. <laughs> and the election was in October, you know, three weeks after the Berlin Marathon. So I couldn't be off in Berlin running another marathon you know, when I'm, when I'm running for, yeah, for, for sure. office. So I wrote to them and asked if I could defer to 2003. <laughs> well, fingers crossed this year, I'll actually be able to go to Berlin and run the marathon after having first uh, been admitted to it. 2019. Uh, in it's 2019. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure a, a funny story. And I, I asked my daughter, we, we were doing an interview with you. <laughs> what will you ask Mark Sutcliffe? And she, what's your favorite Favorite place to run in Ottawa? That was her question. Great question. There's so many good places to run in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I guess um, I would say um, one of, I, I like running near the water. So there's some, and there's lots of great places to run in Ottawa along the Ottawa River, along the Rideau Canal. Um, and I often run near the Ottawa River because I live fairly close. I can okay. be at the Ottawa River in a, about, about a kilometer and a half from my house, I can get on the path by the Sir Johnny McDonald Parkway. So that's my normal running route when the when weather, the weather allows it. You know, yeah. there's snow there's snow on the path now, so you can't run on it. But um, but one of my favorite places to run that's different is you can run along the Rideau River in Ottawa um, by uh, for people who know Ottawa by Carleton University and Vincent Massey Park and Billings Bridge. And there's a there's a long stretch you can run along there where uh, you're by the river and you wouldn't even know you're in a major city. Uh, it feels like you're in the country. It feels like you're just running alongside a river um, and it's really secluded and quiet. And um, and I love I love running along that route just because it's it's so tranquil and peaceful and and it's such a departure from running next to big buildings or for sure. or running when you can see, you know, homes and other sites like that. So that's sort of a, a, one of my favorite spots if I'm doing a longer run because it's a little further away from my home. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. She's going to be happy about your answer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You have one final question? 
Yeah, I'd love to know if you if you have any big dreams now with your running. So Boston was a big deal and you focused on that for years. Um, is there anything like that now for you? Berlin is obviously a big goal, but is there something that stands out that you're like, I, I need to do this? I'd really like to run the London Marathon. My dad is from England and I still have lots of family there. And I love the city of London. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm, because of my dad, I'm, I'm a British citizen. So it's sort of my second home. Uh, you got more chance to get in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, I think you have to be a British resident, oh, uh, which okay. I'm not, okay. <laughs> which I'm not. So, um, so I'd love to do that one sometime. And then of course, if I do Berlin this year, and if by some chance I'm able to get into the London Marathon, then I'll have done five of the six majors because I've done Boston, New York, and Chicago. So then that would leave Tokyo. So there is a, you know, there is a part of me, uh, I'm trying not to get too obsessed about goals. And, and, and at this point in my life, you know, I've already done a lot of marathons and the training as you get older, gets a little harder and I have a busy life. So I'm more interested in running every day than than running long distances necessarily. Okay. Um, so there's, there are a lot fewer marathons in my future than in my past, but I, you know, if I had a chance to do the six marathon majors, I would, I would definitely jump. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 So after this fingers crossed, I'll do Berlin. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'll, I'll have two left. So it sort of feels like I'd have to go for it if I only had two marathons left, <laughs> the six marathon Absolutely. majors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Uh, good luck in Berlin later this year. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. Thank and, you. And uh, thanks a lot for your time. I think it was a, a great conversation. Runners are going to learn a lot. And thanks a lot and have an awesome week. Thank you. Thank you both. This was a lot of fun. And congratulations again, Diego. I'm really Thank looking you. forward to hearing about your Boston experience. And <laughs> Rochelle, keep going. You're going to get there. And uh, maybe next year you'll be talking about Boston. I hope so. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thanks, you guys. Thank, Thank you, you. Mark. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter, and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.